Hi, I'm John Carp. And I'm Cole Elliott. And we are here with our podcast number two in our ta- little tax podcast series. And you know, Cole and I and several others in this firm have clients that are in the entrepreneurial space. And clients that are in the entrepreneurial space sometimes are so busy being entrepreneurs, they just don't take great care of their shop. So, you know, we're just getting ready. Clients will have just finished making their September 16th quarterly estimated tax payment. And so they maybe have had an idea of how they were doing this year, but it's really not too early to begin planning for their year end. No, I agree. It, it's, it's never too early. Um, there are a lot of things uh, that we can start now uh, that have to be enacted you know, in, the, in the fourth quarter of the year to get done before year end. And so uh, I agree. I think there's a lot to talk about. And uh, yeah, let's just dive into it. So, you know, one of the, the crazy things that always happens is a client brings in their data and just nothing ties out. It's the worst. <laughs> it is so bad. And then, and then also, if you think about being organized for a client, what clients never like hide bills from us. And so what happens is when they bring it, we then bring the data that doesn't tie out. We, we have to figure out why it doesn't tie. So what are some of the things that we can do or the clients can do to make sure that before we even get that data, things are tied, their books and records are tied? The number one thing they can do is book prior year entries. Um, get your retained earnings rolling, get your partner's capital rolling, so we don't have to go back and fix things that already happened in the years past. We're starting fresh, the books are clean, we can focus on the year end and really provide value during the year instead of having to go back. Right, so if we're able to look at the numbers, it gives us that opportunity to help them tax plan versus trying to figure out even what those numbers need to look like. Exactly. It's almost like we're doing forensic accounting on something. So, Which is not what we really enjoy doing, and clients really don't enjoy hearing that their books are a mess. No. So <laughs> what about some other items? You know, every January in almost every firm that does 1099s and W-2s, it just seems like it is a race to the finish line, especially now with some of the IRS changes. Yeah, but yeah, pushing the uh, the deadline up to the end of January has is, is really caused some problems uh, in accounting firms and with clients because you know they normally have you know extra time to get that information, close their books, but really they need to be thinking about that stuff right now and doing it so they don't have that huge rush. So and so some of the information that clients should be trying to get right now, it it always it always surprises me how many clients of mine and clients of other folks that. We're at January 15th, and they're still trying to track down names at, or full, complete names, addresses, social security numbers of folks they've paid throughout the year. Oh, yeah. And depending on your business, I mean, you could have paid somebody in January, and good luck trying to find that guy in next year. Well, right. And I think the important component is to remember that it's any payments over $600. And then there are certain types of payments that clients make that it doesn't really matter, yeah. right? That there is no six hundred dollars threshold. But so I think it's it'd be a really prudent process to begin right now, looking at your records and saying, okay, I don't have an address, I don't have a social security number, and if you're still paying these folks, then you really need to be getting that information. Mm-hmm. And I've had clients say, well, say to me, hey they won't give it to me. Well, what would you do? Withhold the check. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what happens. If you hold someone's check, it's amazing you'll yeah. get the information. Uh, 
Yeah, those W9s. I mean, you just, yeah, beginning to start, you know, looking at your GL and, and just identifying, you know, where those payments are going to be and then just, you know, checking your records to make sure you either, either received them or you even sent it out. So, you know, some people wait till January to just start sending out the W, trying to get those filled out. And so, yeah, a little bit of planning can go a long way. That's right. And a lot of clients use QuickBooks. And so in QuickBooks, there's a little toggle that you say this vendor is a 1099 vendor. Yep. And so you can run a 1099 report. And I think you hit upon checking your GL account. And the importance of checking your GL account is realize that 1099 toggle may not have been toggled for everybody, but that doesn't mean that they're not required to receive a 1099. Exactly. Yeah, really. I mean, in a perfect world, people would review that every quarter and you know, and make sure that they're, they're being compliant there. Um, but again, if you can just do it in the fourth quarter, be happy with that. <laughs> well, and, and people should, and taxpayers should really understand, business owners and that people who run a business, they really understand that the IRS is really hitting upon information returns. Mm-hmm. And one of the, they're hitting on the penalty. I mean, I received yeah. a few penalties this year and one of them was as high as $17,000, $18,000. We ran some calculations for a client we were hired to consult with a couple of years ago to figure out what the penalty would be. And I think we started at about $4 million because it was so many they were missing that they had to go disclose. And so realize the IRS is not playing around here anymore. And if they decide that you've intentionally disregarded their rules, there is no limitation on yeah. the penalties. Well, in on the, you know, the entity returns, there's, there's the checkbox. Did you have 1099s and did you file them? Which, you know, that they're looking there and just going through an IRS audit this summer, uh, one of the first questions the auditor said was, did you file all your 1099s? And if so, can I see them? So they're looking there. It, it's, it's definitely real. And when you file them late, understand there's penalties. Oh, yeah. It's and just they're like assessing them. them. Yep, and they're assessing them. Yep. So I think it's very important that clients realize that. I think the other important factor that taxpayers need to realize is and to try and really, um, because it just takes one IRS audit, but to really put their hands around is, are they a contractor or are they an employee? And I would encourage every business owner that pays individuals on a 1099 to go to the IRS website and there's a 20 point checklist and they can call us and we can have that conversation with them because the last place you want to be in an IRS audit, and I've had one that was like this, that they had a 1099 and a W-2 in the same year. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> that created some problems. Yeah. The IRS doesn't like I don't that. like that at all, no. So. What are, so we talked about the W-9s and getting all of that information in-house, but what about partnerships and S-corporations? What other items should we be receiving and should people be paying attention to on a partnership because we talked about that the retained earnings should roll and the capital should roll, but if you think about the demographics of the partnership, if you have new partners or if you have a new partnership, I always find it interesting that, I mean, I'm still working on some tax returns that are, that are from, from years that are a couple years old that were out and they're late, and they still don't have the data for all their partners because they never collected it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we talked about that earlier. Um, you know, it'd be great whenever you know, you know entrepreneurs um, form the partnership that they would get that information on the front end. You know, get the uh, partner social security numbers, addresses, entity types. Because there's nothing worse than preparing you know a K one and sending it to the client and be like, well, you know, I'm an individual or us is a trust and, and getting that wrong information. So 
you know, we rely heavily on the clients to give us the correct information because we can't really guess on that. I mean, if you're an LLC, you could either be a C-Corp, you could be a partnership. I mean, there's all kinds of different things you can be. Right. And so we want to make sure that we're reporting it accurately. And they need to provide that information. Exactly. You know, one thing, too, is, is anytime there's any transactions, uh, you know, between partners or anything like that that may not show up on the books, you know, it's not in their QuickBooks sometimes. We don't know it's there. I just had an instance today where someone sent me a, a transfer of interest and, you know, we luckily hadn't filed a return, but you got to let us know these kind of things. So, you know, while you're, while you're doing your tax prep, make sure you send any kind of uh, change in ownerships that may occur outside the books. Very good. So what other good opportunities for planning since they're looking you know, we're getting ready to enter the fourth quarter. What other great opportunities do we have out there? And the first thing I always talk to my clients in the fourth quarter is about, uh, you know, bonus depreciation and, and uh, capitalization, you know, reviewing their uh, fixed assets, you know, determining if, you know, if they need to purchase something new, um, you know, now's the time to do it. And then kind of going through and running an analysis. Um, there's so many opportunities now with the new 100% bonus depreciation. So what is 100% bonus depreciation for someone who might not know? Yeah, so in, in the past, um, you, you had a 50% bonus, and it, it's for the purchase of assets, um, and it used to be, again, if you were um, first owner of it, which that has now been, been moved, so it, it's just any kind of purchase of any, any tangible personal property, um, not being the first owner, you get to expense it 100% without using Section 179. That's kind of a different animal in the past. Um, you know, you would have to use use 179 to take the full amount, but you'd also be limited to to net income. So this is just a good Ta way taxable taxable income, of course. And then uh, so this is a good way to, to expense you know capital purchases all in the first year to, and as part of the last uh, you know round of tax cuts. That's right, and it's the nice part is we've got this for a couple of years through 12, 31, 22, and then there's some phase outs that happen after the begin January first, 2023. Um, but again, like most folks, I mean, I haven't had any folks use Section 179, really. I haven't either. No, not with yeah, the new bonus. Not with the bonus. Mm -mm. And, and I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this de minimis deduction. Yeah, the de minimis, yeah. You know, I have uh, clients that check the box every year and they see the election, but they don't really know what it means. Uh, you know, you, it's, a, it's about capitalization, about whether you capitalize it or you expense it. Uh, it could be supplies, anything like that. Anything under $2,500. Um, it will be automatically expensed. Um, I was talking to a client today and I was explaining to the client today that I said, you know, you can go buy a conference room table and chairs and your conference room table might be $10,000. Mm -hmm. That's a nice conference room. Table, yeah, yeah right? that's real nice. But you, your chairs, each individual chair maybe is $1,500. Yeah. So that would mean that for each chair they just get to Stick it in office expenses because exactly. it's by each individual item. It's not because it's a conference room table and chairs. It's mm -hmm. each item costs less than twenty five hundred dollars, and that's actually and there's some different rules out there. So the twenty five hundred dollar de minimis is for a client or for a taxpayer who is not audited. That's right. That's right. If they have an audit done, then they need to have a capitalization policy. And they get to increase that amount to five thousand because they have what's called an applicable financial statement, and so what that really means is that just goes right to the P and L. So that also helps your property tax. It helps a lot of different items out there because it's just becoming expensable. Yeah, it just it just makes it a lot easier. You know, you're about you know in the past 
you know, your, your depreciation schedule will blow up to multiple pages, right. but now you can just, you know, just keep your big stuff and then and dispense everything else. Which is a great, I mean, it's, I think more and more clients are using that de minimis. So really you have the 100%, but then before you even get to the 100%, you're going to look at your de minimis first. Yeah. Because if everything falls to the de minimis, then you never even get to the 100%. That's right. That's I mean, right. And it, so if you're in a, in a, business that has it's constantly buying technology you know the average computer is less than twenty five hundred dollars today I, I haven't seen a computer on the depreciation schedule in years so correct <laughs> which means you would never enact you never make and make do take bonus yeah never I, I think the other important part of bonus before we leave this section is that's the default and so remember, everybody is presumed to have elected into bonus unless you elect out of That's bonus. Correct. And so if there are no elections on a tax return, then it's assumed you took bonus. Mm-hmm. Okay. What other year-end items are out there that we should be looking at right now? Well, uh, you know, a lot of uh, S-Corps, uh, year-end bonuses are really big, you know, focusing on uh, retirement planning. You know, so going in, if you have an S-Corp, um, you know, a lot of my clients will do a year in bonus, kind of look at how, how the year's gone, uh, how much they want to uh, put in their, either their SEP, SEP contribution, and we'll, we'll do a calculation there. I, that's, that's really, my, most of my December is mostly <laughs> doing a lot of those calculations. So it's good right now to kind of start planning ahead, looking at where you're at, kind of where you think you're going to be, and put, start setting some money aside um, to pay that salary. Because sometimes, you know, people are taking distributions all year, but in an S-Corp, you really need to have a salary. So... A lot of times we'll wait till the end of the year to make that big, big bonus, and that will be our that'll be our salary for the year. So it's always constant right now to to know that you know to keep that money in in the corporation, so they don't have to have to worry about that. And, and in an S corp, assuming they're they're the right type of business to get section section one ninety nine a deduction, which is the qualified business income tax deduction. Why is it so important in an S corp for them to have wages? Well, yeah, because of limitations. And, well, the problem is it really can't be their wages, though. We really have to have employees. So you also need to be looking at your employees' wages versus your wages to make sure that you're still in line with the, uh, with the thresholds. And we'll, like I said, we'll talk about those in the next podcast. But just know that you know, we, we probably want to come talk to us if you have any questions about the 199A. We can start planning now for that wage deduction. Right. So in, in, in partnerships, the, the comparable wage would be guaranteed payment. So mm-hmm. if you have these issues, you probably should be making a phone call today for us to discuss your year-end planning as it relates to those issues. Exactly. So anything else that we should or we can really wrap this up and next time, I think, I think next time our podcast, our podcast number three will just really be a, a good dive into 199. I think so, yeah. We, we definitely need to really deep dive into that because we've, we've, we've touched on in the last two, you know, but we've never really kind of dug into it. So I think people, I think our, our listeners would really enjoy that. Absolutely. And I, well, I hope you guys have had some helpful hints to help you start planning for your year end of 2019.